Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Hello, welcome to the Modernizer Die CFML News Edition podcast for the week of May the 4th. Be with you. Be with you. <laughs> I am Eric Peterson, and I'm joined here by Mr. Brad Wood. Hey, Brad. You are. I need to rotate myself this direction, so I'm looking at you. Otherwise, I'm just staring off into the, the ether. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for episode 102, and thank you to Order Solutions, who sponsors this podcast, makers of Cold Box, Command Box, Forge Box, all your favorite boxes. You can say thank you and give back to Order Solutions in a few different ways. You can like and subscribe these videos on YouTube. You can sign up for an account on CFCast, which is our video training platform. Or Yay. you can go buy Ordis's new book, 102 Cold Box T- Quick Tips and Tricks. Or, or do all of those. All of those. <laughs> then we would very much love you. Why limit yourself, right? We also want to thank those who are supporting us via Patreon. We currently have 36 Patreons. You're providing 83% of the funding for this podcast. If you love our podcast and all that we do at Ordis, please check us out at patreon.com slash Solutions. You can see the different perks you can get at the different levels there. Awesome. And you have no clue how high maintenance I am, so 83% is <laughs> a lot. Uh, 50% of the 83 goes to maintaining Brad's <laughs> status quo. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. All right. Well, let's jump All into right. the news. We had a, a release this last week, or rather you did, Brad. Command Box did 5.3. Did I? Um. Yeah, yeah. 5.3. So it was four months in development. I don't like having big long releases, but I always kind of get myself into a bunch of big changes and I like to let it like settle down and I keep finding the last couple things and I'm like, I need to release this. But yeah, so 5.3 has a bunch of stuff in it. Um, before this was the 5.2.1 release. Um, so I have a huge list there in the blog post. I'm feeling you're about to put in the chat that has um, kind of a high level release notes, a um, bunch of new features, new... Uh, New uh, features you can use, there's uh, bug fixes. I also have the full release notes on that blog post if you want to look at every single little ticket, lots of little fixes and things. But anyway, um, there will probably be a 5.3.1 patch release in the next week or so just to shake out a small handful of little bugs and a couple regressions that manage to always sneak into each major release no matter how long I ask people to test it for. Uh, but 5.3 is ready to go. Um, if I don't know if John Clausen has the new Docker images built yet, but uh, I think that those cogs are turning somewhere. Um, so check that out. Update your local CLIs. Let me know if you have any uh, any errors, issues with it. One of my favorite. And it should pretty much be backwards compatible. Yeah, one of my favorite things in it, and I'm a little biased because I, uh, I submitted it. <laughs> but there's a new little table printer to print out mm, tables yes. of data and you can see it at work in the outdated command. I was always wanting to, when I typed outdated, to not only see if mm. I was behind my semantic version range, but if there was new major versions that I've missed. So mm-hmm. uh, you got that now in this nice, beautiful table and you can use that in any of your commands too, built in the command box. Yeah, in fact, the 531 patch will have a little wrapper command that Scott Steinbeck made where he wrapped up your table helper in just a little print table command and you can just pipe JSON into it in pretty much any format and it'll kind of just massage it one way or another into some sort of tabular tabular format, um, which is kind of cool. So you can just grab the JSON output from a command, just pipe it into the, the print table command, but that, that'll come in the next patch update and it's just a wrapper around the table helper. So it's, it's funny how much joy we get from the silly little ASCII art <laughs> things that we do. We'll, we'll need some... Uh what's new in 5.3 up on CFCast to go through that and all the, the uh, what is it? It's not JQ. That's the JMES well, formatting? Yeah, JMES, JQ. I think JQ is sort of the colloquial name for it. But yeah, I, I actually have, it's open right here on my computer, Eric. 
I have um, my running list of all of the screencasts for Command Box, and I've been adding to it all of the What's New stuff because I haven't made uh, a What's New series since the 5.0 release. So I have a backlog of features in 5.1, 5.2, and 5.3. I have rows 12 through 28 in this spreadsheet of videos I'd like to make. So Ooh. all I need now is all the time in the world to do that. <laughs> so subscribe on Patreon if you want Brad to have time to make these videos. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> awesome. Well, check it out today. You can upgrade straight from the command line using the upgrade command. Uh, I've been using it. It's been great. And uh, yeah, thanks for all your hard work, Brad, and all those who contributed. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, we have some news about uh, the Adobe Docker images and Bintray. So Bintray was the service that Adobe had been uploading their Docker images to, and they are shutting down. Yeah, it's a JFrog service, and the whole service is going away. Um, so, what that means for uh, the Adobe Docker images, uh, right now they have moved all the containers to their ColdFusion downloads, which quite honestly makes the whole process very <laughs> tedious. You're having to download a tar file, load that into Docker, so then you can then use the Docker image. Yeah, a lot of people are pretty surprised Um of, of why they've done this um, from the get go. I think a lot of people were like, why don't you just put them on Docker hub guys? Um, like this just seems like the obvious go-to place. Um, and they went with JFrog Bentray at first. It was like, okay, whatever. Um, but they've known about this decommissioning for a while right. and the whole sort of download a tar file and then point your Docker run just kind of seems like a, like a last minute. Oh crap. we got to have a fix for this or something. I, I really, really hope this is not, they're like, permanent solution because I, I have never heard of another docker image like in my life that expected me to like w get it or curl it down to my you know my right. computer and then run it with docker run it's always you pull from a registry so I think, I, i'm not entirely sure what they're doing there and i think if i'm not wrong you're you're missing the benefits of tags with that like you can download You'll have to manipulate the, you know, the tar URL that you're trying to get to get the right tag instead of just using Docker's built-in tag management. So, yeah, I mean, this would be like getting rid of your your Git repo um, and like telling people to download zip files again instead of cloning your source code. But wait, what? Download um, my .patch file. <laughs> yeah. So Charlie Earhart's been uh, talking in uh, the comments section on that post as well trying to push them. Um, I, I had also strongly suggested in Slack uh, a week or so ago that they look into um, using Docker Hub, which seems like it would go without saying, like that's like sort of like the standard, you right. know, as far as Docker repositories or registries rather, if I'm using the wrong right, right, right word. Um, but early on when Adobe was in Docker, at one of the CF summits, I asked some of the ColdFusion team, like, why didn't you guys use Docker Hub? Like, you know, like the standard. And their, their response was basically like it hadn't even been considered. It didn't even like come up in the radar as an option they would even like think about using. It was like, what? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I wanted to make sure, please make sure this is on your radar because seriously, it's like what you should have been using all along. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel bad for anybody doing deployments right now that this is probably breaking. Um, now's a good time just to go ahead and move over to the command box image. Just going to throw that out there. Um <laughs> make everything in your life. We use Docker Hub. It's this amazing online registry of Docker images. You just run a Docker poll. It's fantastic. Anyway. There's also some great <laughs> options with GitHub and GitLab all having container registries built in. So. Yeah, they could host their own their own private registry very sure. easily if they wanted to. So I, I have a, a sneaky feeling this is some crazy like legal team thing where there was some like nonsensical hang up you know, and their legal team is like, oh, you can't do it for X, Y, Z. But my goodness, they've they've had months to, to iron this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we see some uh, movement. If you, too, would like to see some changes, go ahead and comment on that blog post. Hopefully we get a response from Adobe soon. Yep. Okay. So next, we have a Fusion Reactor webinar coming up on May 12th. That's a week from tomorrow.
Um, I have 5 p.m. here, but now I'm curious about the... the uh, it's 5 p.m. in some time zone, and I can't see what it is. Sometime over in Europe. So that would be 8 a.m. Pacific in and 10 a.m. Central. This is um, using about Fusion Reactor, the benefits it has. If you haven't had the chance to play around Fusion Reactor yet, uh, this is the webinar for you to come see all of the different things it can give you. We love Fusion Reactor. It saves us a ton of time and money and gets our applications working quickly. Oh, yeah. I, I, Ordis has three or four clients right now that I've been doing performance stuff with, and I'm surprised, um, and this is nothing against them, but how often I run across clients that just don't know how to use Fusion Reactor. Maybe they have a license, they've gotten a trial, um, but they're just not really familiar with the features. There's, you know, there's a bunch of graphs, so like, what do we do with them? Um, and it, it's really not that hard, you know, to sit down with them and show them, okay, you know, this is what you can look at. This is what this graph means. This is what this graph means. If your server starts to back up, you want to look here. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you've got a Fusion Reactor license or maybe you tested with a trial and you just weren't sure what to make of it, um, definitely recommend just getting some, you know, some basic knowledge on how to use Fusion Reactor because there is a wealth of information. And I don't, I think, almost every client I've ever dealt with, even if they've used it for years, um, there was entire features like archive metrics or or metrics that they had no idea even existed. So yeah. um, it is a gold mine of functionality. Uh, Charlie in the chat has pointed out that this is specifically about their cloud-based solution or SaaS solution. Mm -hmm. So you can, which is a bit different and has some different features from their on-premise solution that you install. So even if you have been using Fusion right. Reactor, you can take away some stuff from this webinar. Yeah, and I like I like the cloud stuff because it uses the same agent installed, you know, on the JVM in both cases. But instead of you know viewing like a local little website for the on-prem, it just pushes the metrics out to the cloud, and um, it works really well. Awesome. Okay. Next up, uh, we had a a price drop. This is nice. It's nice to save money on uh, Adobe's Cold Fusion certification. So it is now only $149 to do their certification course, which has um, over 50 online videos and then a test at the end that you take. And you get your nice certificate that you're an Adobe certified professional in Cold Fusion. wonder how low it will have to get before I decide that I'll just do it. <laughs> just do what? The certification. I'm not certified. Oh. I'm sorry. I admitted it out loud. I, I've never done any of the certifications, but it's not because I didn't want to. I just, in the past, when they were a big thing back in Macromedia, I never worked at a company that wanted to, um, that would, like, you know, that would pay for us to do them. Um, and I've just never done it. You heard it here, folks. But, Brad is not certified for Cold Fusion. <laughs> nope. I don't have this certificate on my wall. Take that for what you will. All right. <laughs> uh, we have another webinar coming up tomorrow with Adobe. And Mr. Luis Mahano, building modern web apps using Content Box modular CMS. I think I know that guy. A little bit. He's Luis has been going crazy on Content Box lately. So uh, there's gonna be some fun stuff to see there. Luis. When, is in the when chat. Luis says he's gotten inspired, you know <laughs> that the the caffeine has been flowing. That's right. Luis is in the chat here. Maybe he'll tell us if he's going to uh, give a sneak peek of the headless CMS that he's. Ooh. Module that he's been building Ooh. in this so. headless CMS, you say? Why say. this sounds like an amazing feature. <laughs> so, come into that webinar tomorrow. See all the new stuff in Content Box come in, and uh, I got your sneak peek of the headless CMS right there. Oh, what what was that just dropped in the chat? Oh, we just put from? some API docs there. That's the uh, <laughs> probably the least. Uh, flattering way maybe we, can, we can show that but may, that's okay <laughs> maybe maybe subject to change i don't know i think luis whipped those out this morning probably but hey so there is give, give us your early feedback there's awesome stuff going on in content box right now um if you haven't taken a look in a while this is a great chance to jump back into it that's tomorrow 12 p.m eastern time and the link will be in the show notes and the chat there you go Okay, and on a roll with the Adobe webinar series, they are still in their API creation and management webinar. We have gone through four of the seven, and the fifth is on May 12th, which is the same day as the Fusion Reactor one, so I hope they're not at the same time, because I know which one I'll pick. 
I'm not going to tell you, though. Uh, <laughs> you can view more information at the link we'll put in the chat, register for other uh, the upcoming ones, or view the past recordings all at that link. And do we know which specific description goes with the one on the 12th? I do not know. Uh, April 28th. I'm trying to scroll down here. April 29th, May. Wait, it's the 12th or the 13th? Oh, here we go. May 12th. I'm just, I can't read. All right. This one says policy management and access controls. Though the UI is a bit confusing because I can't tell if the description above it is the one that goes with it or if the description below it goes with it because it's got just like equal white space everywhere with no horizontal rules or anything. So take your pick as to which is which <laughs> topic you date want. time description is the is the order. are you sure it's not description topic date time yes it's just as much white space on either side of it <laughs> all right find out how the api manager can help you manage policies access controls okay this is the right one and maintain consistency in your backend services also learn how to utilize policy management and change api behavior through configurations there you go that's what's happening on may 12th great and in case you missed it, we had an online CF meetup this last week with Mr. Charlie Earhart installing Cold Fusion 2021 choices, challenges, and solutions. Yeah. I heard it was just a single slide that said use command box. I think that was the entire presentation, <laughs> wasn't it? And you just skipped straight to the Q&A. No, I'm just kidding. That, that was your version of the talk, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do like a spoof series. It's like Brad Wood's version of everything. And it's just like use command box. You're like... I asked how to make a sandwich. I don't know. Just use command box. We can have one of those sites, you know, the ones that's like, is some is whatever released yet? And it will be like, <laughs> it will just be the site we give everybody that says use command box. So, you, you know, at, at DevNexus a couple of years ago, the Oracle booth was brewing coffee with like a, a Raspberry Pi controller running Java. So if any, anything's possible, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that takes us through the news right now. Let's jump into some CFCast updates. We have a new series that launched this week. You might have seen the blog post as well on the Ordis site. Our have you seen the video? <laughs> the video that went along with the, the preview. Yes. It is our object-oriented programming with Nolan Irk. You can access that right now at CFCast. The first four videos are up. It's going to be great going through the basics and the intermediates, if that's how you say that, of object-oriented programming. So these first four videos are free. Um, I will need to check if the whole series, like what's the plan there? But at least these first four are free, and you can go view them right now on CFCasts. Uh, coming up, we you've heard here with Brad, he's got a wish list of videos for what's new in Command Box. Hopefully, we will get to see I some do. of those soon. Uh, the quick workshop that we did back in March is being edited and will be released, I believe, this month. And I am just wrapping up on the recording for the Logbox 101 series. So lots of great stuff coming your way on CFCast. Make sure to uh, head over there and subscribe. Okay, Sweet. let's go talk about conferences. We had one uh, new announcement this week of a conference, and that is for Adobe Cold Fusion Developers Week. Nice. June 22nd through 24th online. Yeah, we don't have uh, much details besides the dates. You can register right now. It looks to be free. It is online. Is there a call for speakers, or is it going to be populated entirely by Cold Fusion folk? I do not know. I have not seen a call for speakers. They might be inviting oh. speakers instead of asking for proposals, but we will keep you up to date so on if, that. If, if you didn't hear from them, that means that you're not a speaker. Actually, <laughs> if you click if you click speakers, I has a list of speakers, though I'm curious if this is just like the previous year's list because Rackshift is in the list and he no longer works with Adobe, or at yeah. least not in Confusion. Yeah, and Luis is in the that. list. They did mention on the site that the speakers on there were previous year speakers. Oh, okay. That so last year speakers. So we will see who gets invited if there's a call for speakers. But um, hey, it's a free Cold Fusion event. Who's going to say no to that? Okay, um, some other conferences coming up that we've talked about. The AWS Summit Online, so Amazon's Web Services, May 12th and 13th, online and free. So if you are 
one of the many people who uses some of AWS services. Did I just do? Yeah, some of AWS. Uh, you can check out that link and the sessions that they'll have there. I think I just said a Amazon Web Services services. But that's okay. <laughs> Amazon AWS services. That's the full name. Okay. Um, there's some big name conferences that every that most of you will probably have heard of um, that you may be interested in, especially if you do any mobile development, such as Google I.O., <coughs> WWDC, Microsoft Build. We probably don't need to highlight those too much as they are much bigger than just our little area of Cold Fusion. But one that we do want to highlight is DockerCon, because we do love us some Docker, as talked about earlier. It is May 27th, free one-day virtual event. Um, Docker is one of those that I could watch just hours of these sessions and still be confused. Um, so I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad to still have, be confused. I'm glad to at least have something to watch. Um, so again, uh, May 27th, free. You can sign up at the link that will be in the show notes and here in the chat. Excellent. Um, Ortis's conference plans, they're still um, being cooked. So did, I don't know if you just saw Luis's. Yes. Yeah, Luis is blowing up the chat here. He's he's upstaging us with his ad hoc announcements. He says, uh, I got to scroll back up now. Um, there's a big chance ITB may be live in Houston. Ooh. The events are now opening up. And so he's in talks with some of the venues already. So I know we've been playing this by ear. Some of us have been super interested in trying to make it happen in person, but there's just been a giant question mark overhead. Um, so I, I am super excited at the prospect of being able to actually get out for an in-person conference. And I hope that, um, you know, people are able to travel and, and willing to travel since I know that's still a big thing. Right. So we will, we will keep you up to date on all that, all the goings on there. And if that's not enough conferences for you, again, our lovely friends at comps.tech have a listing of all these different conferences, different languages, different uh, frameworks and things like that that you can check out. Much, much more. Much, much more. <laughs> okay, let's jump into blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So we got Ben the Dell up first. Uh, get tick count precision argument. So get tick count is a function that has been in Adobe Confusion and Lucy, Rilo, whatever, for a long time. But I believe that Lucy is the only one that has um, an argument. Yeah, CF Docs actually doesn't even reflect this. So get to count typically gives you milliseconds back. Um, and CF Docs doesn't show um, the, the parameter. I've noticed there, but I never use it. If you go to docs.lucy.org and you look at the docs there, you can see what there's a unit argument and you can get back nanoseconds, milliseconds, or seconds. Um, and so Ben's post is basically talking about that, which is pretty cool. Um, it's it's I, now a uh, a goal for me in life to need to get nanoseconds back for some performance optimization. That just sounds like a fun. Yeah, you know, I mean, to get to. I, I, usually I just if I'm trying to time something, I just increase the loop. You know, like if, if it's like one millisecond, I'm like, okay, do it a thousand times, do it a million times. Um, it, it does make you wonder at the point that you're, that you're getting back potentially nanoseconds, like how much of the time that your timing is actually like the get to count function itself at that point in time. But <laughs> That's a good question. Now get, getting, getting seconds back is like, okay, whatever. If I want seconds back, I just divide it by a thousand. That's what I've always done. I, even when I'm on Lucy, I never use that argument to get seconds. I'm always just like get to count slash 1000, but well, now if you don't want to remember way. how many milliseconds in a second, you have this argument. <laughs> um, yeah, I nice little saw, hidden gem. I also saw a pull request um, to add this to the CF timer tag as well to be able to do seconds. It sounds or, like something Zach would do because he loves sending some CF timer. Uh, that It was a Zach pull request, yes. There you go. Uh, yeah, we need to get a pull request to add this documentation to CF Docs. Right. Um, because it does not aware of the Lucy specific um, argument. If any of which is you, why I got good. If any of you are interested, CF Docs is all 
um, a JSON file. So mm-hmm. it does not take um, epic coding skills or Java or anything <laughs> like that. You just go in, you edit a JSON file. I almost always do it just in the GitHub editor because it's really simple. You can go add yeah, this so, argument so and mark it as Lucy only. If you go to the Git Tech Count page on cfdocs.org, there's a little red edit button right there. And you just click on it and it dumps you into github.com, Foundation CF Docs. And there's the JSON you know, document that describes everything about this tag. Um, and I, I assume Pete probably has a guide somewhere that says you know, what all the possible things are. But you can just edit it right here, submit your pull request, and then you'll show up on the leaderboard on CF Docs, mm-hmm. which shows who has sent the most number of pulls. Back in the early days of CF Docs, uh, the company I worked at, we'd do on Friday, uh, we'd all do like a, a function that wasn't quite up to date documentation wise. It didn't nice. have examples, and we'd all send one in. It was it was much fun. There you go. All right, if you go to the, if you go to the main repo for CF Docs and scroll down in the README, there's a JSON file documentation section, and it has like the like all the possible things so that you can basically use that as a reference. If you're wanting to update CF Docs and you're not sure what what uh, the format is, there you go. End plug for CF Docs. <laughs> okay, next uh, article we have was a one from Adam Cameron. How TDD and automated testing helped me solve an nginx configuration problem I had created for myself. <laughs> Isn't that the definition of most of our problems? We create them for ourselves. <laughs> So I included this because it showed some neat things with using TestBox and TDD, um, hitting his own web server using CFHTTP, and uh, working through some issues with uh, with Nginx. So you can take a, a look at that article to see the problem and the solution. There you go. Next up. TestBox. Yeah. Next up is another Ben Nadal post. About modernizing his CSV parser with Lucy. So he's been hitting the CSV stuff hard recently. I know. I don't know whether to uh, feel bad for him or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he goes through, and I think a couple of my favorite things about this was he has this ginormous function for his regular expression with just comments galore, and he has a a, a note at the end. He says, I know there's a lot of people in the world that, do, that don't like comments and who think that by leaving comments, I've somehow fundamentally failed to express the intent of my code. Well, I'm pretty sure they have never oh. written regular expressions, <laughs> which is so true. That's regular funny. expressions are, are, did, are just Didn't wow. we cover a library once that had like a DSL of chainable methods that would build regular expressions uh, for you? Yeah, I actually oh. like forked it when they, it was called verbal yeah. expressions. It was written in a, one language and people were forking it. I did and gave it like the very basic stuff, but it it's not fully implemented. So you can go check it out. It's on my GitHub somewhere. Because I was just thinking regular <laughs> expressions are like the definition of a string of just randomness that, you know, <laughs> is, is not really self-describing in, in many times. Right. <laughs> so I, I love that. I don't think comments are bad. I think they have their place. And regular expressions are definitely one of those places. Um, but there is one thing that was missing from this article, and it was pushing this as a module up to ForgeBox. So sad. I talked with Ben about that on Twitter. Talked is on the Tweety on, on the Tweety pages. <laughs> well, it's only because it's like the tenth time I've heckled him. <laughs> so you know, I give Ben a hard time because every time someone's like, "Hey, put this on on ForgeBox," it's like, "Oh, scary. I don't know things. I've never done that." And then, you know, a couple of years ago, Ben was doing node work. He's like, oh, look, I published 18 packages on NPM. This is so easy. I'm like, it's the same in command box. Publish. It's the publish command. So anyway, Ben said he was going to look at it over the weekend. We should uh, we should heckle him some more and see if he uh, <laughs> figured it out. I, I, I told him it's, it's literally two commands to to publish it. Package init, publish. I mean, that's it. I mean, you'd have a ForgeBox account, obviously, but that's, that's like a one-time thing. So once we get him hooked... You know, first one's free, then I'm sure he'll be publishing everything. And while most of the people listening to this might be familiar with Coldbox modules, they are not the same as something that's on ForgeBox. You can publish any, basically, zip of your code to ForgeBox, and people can install it. So there's not any work you have to do to make it 
hook up to cold box. Now I might come in and submit a pull request for that because I like my life easy, <laughs> but, um, but you don't have to, you can just like that's it, packaging it and publish. So, yeah, we allow anything on forge box. Um, and I mean, there's all the, all the major CMSs, all the major frameworks are on, on forge box the preside CMS guys use forge box like crazy. Um, does not have to be a cold box or a command box module. Now it's best if it is, but doesn't have to be. <laughs> Moving on. So Luis, in his in his caffeine fueled fit of development rage, has also been going crazy with the scheduled tasks feature, and this is all part of um, the asynchronous concurrent based libraries that came out in the latest big cold box update. But the really cool thing about this is. The async manager uh, uh, utilities are also included in the standalone wirebox, logbox, and cashbox libraries, which is exactly why commandbox 5.3 has the async manager baked in because it came in the back door via wirebox. So Vildi Bruin has a pretty cool blog post. Uh, let's see the title of it. Uh, Schedule tasks in cold box. So basically kind of just showing all the, uh, the stuff you can do um, built into uh, Coldbox. And Luis has added a bunch of really sweet kind of like lifecycle methods um, on startup, on shutdown, on any task error, on any task success, before any task, stuff like that. And he's built this really cool um, sort of DSL. And so Vil has a, an example here in the post that's like, you know, tasks, send daily promotion statistics. And then another method dot call. And he has a little Lambda little closure right there that just calls a method on a service dot every day at eight o'clock and then semicolon. So it's like a little one liner, you know, three methods chained together that defines a scheduled task that will just fire off every day at eight o'clock in the background of this cold box app. Um, and it's just pretty fun. It's just a bit more encapsulated, you know, way of doing stuff as opposed to like the standard scheduled tasks, you know, feature of, of cold fusion. Um, it's very portable. Not, it doesn't depend on the, the CF engine at all. And I really, I'm digging the the DSL that Luis has been working on, all the methods you can kind of concatenate together to determine just, you know, exactly how often it runs. Um, even as a, a win, a little win function where you just give it a closure and you just, you can have like a super customized um, example or only runs on staging, only runs on production. A ton of features. So yeah, so Veldis has a, a huge kind of overview of all those. Um, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, I'm going to piggyback on this since Will has another article and it kind of goes into the closures and lambdas that you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is that kind of a word of caution with lambdas. So the um, lambdas in this definition are our short function syntax that automatically return instead of having to arrow do, functions. Yeah, arrow functions sometimes they're called. Well, um, Cold Fusion, Adobe Cold Fusion does not consider them closures. So if you're passing it to is closure, it will return false. What? And it made us sad. Um, he found oh that that was gosh. a little bug that was in this that has since been fixed. So if you are trying to make cross-platform things like us, you have to ask if it is a custom function or is a closure because... I never really even liked the is closure built-in function because I wasn't entirely sure why I would care. What, why you care if it's a custom function or a closure? Yeah, I mean, if it's a UDF, yeah. <laughs> it's a UDF. Now, in CFML sort of loosely defines what it means by closure. Um, you know, it, sort of a hodgepodge of of, um, of what, you know, people expect it to do from JavaScript. Um, generally speaking, you know, closures will be able to reference the, the scopes in the kind of the context of where it was declared. Whereas your typical UDF just declared as function, you know, name of function doesn't. Um, but as far as from like a library standpoint, if I have a, a higher order function that accepts the UDF in, I don't really care how it's declared. I mean, right. it's irrelevant, right? It's like an implementation implementation detail. It's a UDF. I can invoke it. I, I've always thought these closures is a little weird. But yeah. anyway. I, I do need to correct the record. It is Lucy who says it is not a closure. Whereas <laughs> Adobe 2018 and higher says yes to all the above. So, is there a ticket for Lucy to fix that? I sure hope so. I will. I'm, I'm looking through uh, Bill's post right here. Oh, here we go. 
the last sentence says this bug will be fixed soon. And oh no, that's just a link to the cold box bug. Yeah, we're used to having the well, fixes kind of bugs. <laughs> if you're in the chat, do you know if there's a, a Lucy ticket for that, guys? I feel like you're going to get the argument that technically it is not a closure, and so ticket closed. Well, so. that goes back to the <laughs> the vague definition of what makes something a closure in Cold Fusion. Um, yeah. Just kind of weird. Anyway, see, there's some interesting things there. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's jump back. I kind of jumped ahead there. Do, 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 do. I lost my spot. Here we go. All right. Another Ben Nadal post. about it, This is part 14 in his uh, email DSL. And it's a, it's a small update. It looks like he um, was needing to exclude some of the built-in tags that didn't report that they were built-in tags. I'm my understanding of custom tags is admittedly pretty uh, shallow. So things like CF save content, CF timer, they don't have tag data. And so he had to ignore them when he was getting the base tag list. Otherwise there'd be problems. So yeah, pretty small. If you are still following along, I know he said he's now using it in their work there at Envision. Maybe we'll get a Forgebox module for this as well. <laughs> So. <laughs> Come on, Ben. Everything on Forge Box. Go, go, go. <laughs> cool. All right. So was this an actual bug, or was it just the way he was using it? I remember seeing this post. Um, I could not tell you. I just I don't think I understand custom tags well enough to answer that. So I understand custom tags, but I've never really used the get base tag list thing. I, got, I was only asking because I was curious if there was a ticket put in, if there actually was a bug, but I'd have to stop and read the post a bit more closely. Well, next was just, uh, I found this interesting. Um, Adam Cameron is talking about the pseudo constructor when used with inheritance. And it was one of those, you know, sometimes you get the trivia questions, like what's going to happen here? Um, well, this was one of them <laughs> where... What what's going to happen if you have inheritance and something being called in the pseudo constructor? And the answer I have an old blog post that actually talks about this. Oh yeah. Because I didn't like I didn't like the way it worked. <laughs> you probably are agreeing with uh with Adam in this case then. <laughs> so basically um, what happens I... is the base if you have like a base and a child or a sub component, the function in the base will be ran with using the base's definition instead of using if you override it in the subcomponent. So, yeah, that sounds like what I've run into. To um, me, it just kind of reminded just, me that using the pseudo constructor might not be your best bet in most places. Well, right. So, here's <laughs> the thing where I ran into this in the past was in Coldbox, and it was one of those places where Cold Fusion in general, the CF engines, whether it's Lucy or Cold Fusion, um, force you to have to use a pseudo constructor in some cases. And one of those is based on legacy behaviors for things like web accessible proxies. So we have like remote functions. So where I ran into this um, years back was in the cold box proxy, which is a web accessible CFC that has you no know, remote method called process and you hit it from the URL. And in that instance, you don't get any control over how the CFC is created. Um, the, uh, the constructor is not called. If you have an init, it doesn't get called and you have no control over making it be called. So the only way that we could do things like kickstart auto wiring from inside the cold box proxy was to do so inside of the pseudo constructor. Um, but I ran into basically the same issue that I think he was running into, which is the pseudo constructor runs in the base inside of its little vacuum first before I think the subclass pseudo constructor even runs. And there were even some idiosyncrasies where if you called like get metadata this inside of the pseudo constructor, um, and you've got the name, it would show up as the base class name. But if you did the same thing inside of the init, it would show up as the subclass name. Right. Um, and I mean, the explanation made sense that I got from Misha at the time, which was that the base pseudo constructor runs with some little vacuum first, but it's really annoying and stupid. Um, just <laughs> it's like, it's like, it makes sense, but that doesn't help me as a developer writing code in which sometimes I'm forced to put stuff in the pseudo constructor and then you know, there's no way for me to tell what the subclass is. I, I literally think I did some something incredibly stupid 
like parsing the name of the CFC out of the CGI scope script name just to figure out what the superclass was um, because Cold Fusion like had painted me into this corner and it's I mean I don't see I used Cold Fusion for years before I hit that and I know Adam Cameron has used Cold Fusion for years but this is how good Adam Cameron is he comes back to Cold Fusion from PHP for like a week and he's already hitting stuff like this so it's just that magic touch that Adam Cameron has to to withdraw bugs from the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a bit of an edge case. I mean, it's not something yeah. you'd typically hit. And speaking of, um, I don't know if you call it an edge case, but maybe a gotcha. Uh, Adam also has an article. He called it uh, abort abort. Um, and it's, it comes down to Lucy's tag and script syntax. Yep. And the fact that abort is a shorthand for their abort tag. And so you need to either end it with a semicolon or it expects that the next thing that comes is part of the abort tag in script, which is like message or something like that. So it's, it's the message you want to throw. So you can have it throw an exception when it aborts. And the first parameter in Lucy is the message you want it to throw. Yeah. So he was, he was talking about this in, um, in Slack the other day. Right. And basically he had abort and then on the next line followed by like write output or something. And so the write output function in Lucy returns true for reasons. And so the the abort tag was taking the true that came out of the write output expression and using it as the first parameter, which was the, the name of the message to throw. And so it would throw an exception called true, which was a head scratcher at first until you realized that the semicolon is actually a requirement since the the CFML parser ignores white space, even though you put a line break doesn't mean anything. It all considered it, you know, one big tag. Yeah. I have to say for me, I've really appreciated the CF format library for this. And, and hold on in case you're wondering why, um, when I format my code, it will, you know, usually put things online. I found this in QB where I was using query for my query builder variable and it would split on multiple lines. And I get this big red highlight on query because it would be trying to tell me, hey, this tag in script variant syntax is not complete, which it usually ended up working, but it, uh, you know, it was one of those ambiguous things. So I chose a new variable name, um, and this it's helped me in a few places. Table, I ran into that the other day. Tables for CF table, I guess. I just so things I didn't realize were tag in script. Just kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, I get how formatting can, consistent standardized formatting can make it so when you look at the code, you recognize, you know, that next expression being part of the tag, not just a random, you know, expression down a few lines. Yeah. Um, speaking about cold fusion tags, Ben goes exploring on how to use the this.tag in Lucy to set automatic tag attributes and found that it works both with CF at the beginning or without it. That was kind of the takeaway from that. So um, yeah, I was aware any, of that. any tag that you have in Cold Fusion in Lucy, you can set a default value for it. Um, all of, sorry, a default arguments for that tag. So you don't have to keep providing those over and over again. I call them attributes whenever I refer that's to tags, just as an XML right format. You know, that's actually a really good hidden Jimmy kind of feature that I think way too many people probably aren't aware of. Um, there is a page of a documentation for this, like buried somewhere off in the Lucy docs. Um, uh, oh, I, I knew I'd, it came up recently. I was heckling someone using Adobe Cold Fusion on Slack saying, if you run Lucy, this would be easier. Um, one, of, one of the best use cases for it is when you want to turn off the add token on to see if location tag, and instead of doing a find and replace in your entire code base and finding all the CF location tags and adding add token is, equals false, you just go into your application.cfc, you type this.tag.location or CF location dot add token equals false, boom, instant global default parameter, which can be overridden on a per you know tag basis in your code. Um, it's actually where I shamelessly stole the idea from for default command parameters and command box. I ripped the exact same idea off in command box. You do config set uh, command dot defaults dot rm dot delete equals true, right? And now, or no, not delete, uh, force. 
So, you know, every time you run an RM, my file and command box, the force, you know, parameters automatically set the true. I, I ripped that right off of Lucy, but a lot of people don't even think about that um, feature. It's super handy. It's one of those little like just, oh my gosh, that, make, that it makes so much sense. And you're like, why doesn't Adobe copy stuff like this? Little things that developers are like, yes, my life is now so much easier. Um, Rilo implemented this years ago. And I wish, I wish Adobe would look for more uh, ideas <laughs> over in the Lucy camp All right. when it comes to those. Anyway. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week and takes us into find a job. So uh, over on our wonderful getcfmljobs.com website, it looks like there was quite a few new jobs this week, but I believe there's only two. There's about a page, basically, of a remote developer position with uh, Bears Dev, which is looking for a, it's a fast-growing company in Latin America, according to their own job uh, ad, uh, looking for Cold Fusion senior developers. So I think they're looking for multiple, not just one, and that's why it's posted all over the place. It is remote. And there's also one more position, a Cold Fusion developer at Gold Coast QLD in Australia. I don't know why I've said it like that, but in Australia. <laughs> so you can check those two no, out. I might. <laughs> or any of the <laughs> other jobs on getcfmljobs.com. All right. Let's go into our Forge Box module of the week. And I cheated on this one. And you can laugh at my pun in a minute. Uh, because I'm going to talk about the Quick and QB cheat sheets. What? Yeah, those are pretty cool. They were made by a community member. I'm trying to get his name, not his GitHub handle. Tim. Tim say hey. He's his yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he uh, reached out actually on the Slack and said, "Are there any cheat sheets for Quick or QB?" Two of our previous ForgeBox modules of the week. And we said, "No, not really. There's the docs, and that's it." And so he went out and made some. So let's see. Can I do my screen local? Yeah, I think I replied to him first and said, yeah, we're all waiting on you to make it. Can you let us know when you'll have that done? And he did. He did. And God so bless him. Here is a GitHub pages site he made. You can go ahead and um, fork and contribute to them. But clicking in, you just get some quick examples, some tags up here that you can jump into. So if you're not needing the full Quick and QB docs, you're not needing to learn how it works from scratch, you just need to remember what's that method name or how do I pass that through? This is a great way to do that. So that was my cheat, was to show the cheat sheets. Wah, wah. Everybody laughs at my puns. Okay. <laughs> to finish up, let's talk about our VS Code hint tip and trick of the week this week it is a extension called thunder client I'll go ahead and sh thunder client <laughs> sounds like a 1980s cartoon show yeah so thunder client uh basically i think of it as postman inside vs code so if you use postman or another tool to test your rest apis this gives you that same interface inside vs code where you can do new requests. You can even save collections of them. Again, like Postman. Send them off and get the JSON right over in your browser. There's tests as well. Um, so it could be nice if you don't want to switch back and forth between VS Code, Postman. Uh, I'd be hoping that all their collection stuff is saved as files. That's one thing I've been disappointed with in Postman is they've definitely... <laughs> They're definitely pushing for their, use their paid subscription, whatever, and then everything works nice. And so. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, check this out. This is Thunder Client in VS Code, and you can do your REST calls straight from there. Pretty cool. So, is it just like ad hoc where you have to provide the endpoint and everything, or does it somehow introspect your code and come up with all the possible endpoints you can test? I have not seen anything that uh, that introspects your code, no. So uh, you can import and export things. You can import Postman files. It says so that could be fun for moving over. <laughs> yeah. So 
Check it out. Let us know what you think about that one as well. We have reached our favorite part of the podcast where we thank all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. Just a reminder that you can go to patreon.com slash order solutions to sign up. Those signing up at the bronze package and up get access to special perks like a Forgebox Pro and a CFCast subscription. You get access to our uh, private forum on the community website and get a nice badge to show everybody that you are a supporter of us on Patreon. And with that, Brad, can you take us through the list of these wonderful people? I can take you through the list of some of these wonderful people. Just chatting here in the in the YouTube chat. <clears throat> okay, so big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Ballinger, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jonathan Perret, Mario Rodriguez, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, John Wilson from Synaptrix, Yugesh Mathur, Joseph Lamry, Ben Dedell, Brett DeLine, Carl Von Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dan Carr, Daniel Garcia, Dior Snicky, Edgardo Cabezas, Jan Yannick, Jason Dagger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark. I used to be able to do this all in one breath, but not anymore. Kai Koenig, Lats, <laughs> Laxma, uh, I, I, sorry, I can, I'm never going to travel last name. Ends with a T. Leon Saramellis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, uh, Stephanie Monge, Stephen Klotz, and ding, 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 Vila de Bruin. There we go. Whole list of Patreon supporters, current as of five minutes ago. Now needing two breaths to get through. <laughs> At least. We, we love that problem. So. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks for so much for joining us today for our podcast, and we will catch you next week. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.